This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling-Biru. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me. So my guest Janelle James' hilarious performance in the acclaimed ABC sitcom Abbott Elementary as the hustling, inept principal Ava Coleman is a critical and fan favorite. James is a standout with her razor-sharp comic delivery and her ability to let us see that somewhere in Ava there's a great big beating heart. And it was such a thrill to talk to Janelle James right now as she's in the middle of a whirlwind few weeks. She's Golden Globe and Critics' Choice nominated and was Emmy nominated just a few months back. We talk about her own backstory that she has for Principal Coleman, a female boss that we usually don't get to see. We talk about working with showrunner and writer Quinta Brunson and combining funny and serious issues like underfunded public schools. We get into her stand-up comedy background. She's opened for both Chris Rock and Amy Schumer and talk women in stand-up. And of course, what's next for Principal Ava, Abbott Elementary, and Janelle James. Here's a clip with Janelle James as Principal Ava Coleman in Abbott Elementary. Hey, yo! What it do, baby boobs? What y'all think about this little film crew I brought in here? Distracting, makes our jobs harder. But exciting. We about to be on TV. Because they are covering underfunded, poorly managed public schools in America. No press is bad press, Barb. Look at Mel Gibson. Still thriving. (laughs) Daddy's home, too? Hilarious! (laughs) Ava's our principal. She has a unique take on her job. She's bad at her job. What's unique is that she's bad at her job. Janelle James, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I am such a huge fan of your performance as Principal Ava Coleman. This character, she's a narcissist. She has no background in education, but she can really get shit done if she wants to. And also, we're starting to see a really sensitive and and caring side. Do you have your own backstory for her? Well, damn, Christina, a narcissist right on top, right up top. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. It's it's funny because it's true. Um, Do I have my own backstory for her? Yes. I feel like... She is someone who grew up in the same school system that she's in, to, to, to myself. And just based on the varying side hustles that she has, she's been like a hustler her whole life. So this blackmailing her way into this position isn't something new for her. Like she just is finding ways to survive is how I, is how I envision her. You became the most quoted character on the show and and memed everywhere. Why do you think that she resonates so much? Well, hilarious. Number one, she's hilarious. Uh, And she is confident. And I feel like that's something that you don't see in people on TV or in real life. People are uh, very enamored with confident people and and it makes them, it's, it's like gold and envy at the same time. So people want to be confident, but when they see confident people, it, 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 it's kind of scary because they're like, it makes people look at themselves like, why am I not, <laughs> you know, this person? And I feel like everyone, especially in a 
a work or office setting all wish that they could just say whatever they want, whatever they're thinking to their colleagues, to their boss, you know, like Ava does. She's just outspoken in a way that a lot of people wish that they could be. So lovely to see a woman as this kind of boss. I mean, we've seen like, I know she's been compared to Michael Scott and things like that, but yeah, it's kind of unusual, right? Yeah, I've always said this is like a role that's usually reserved for white men. They, they're the only ones that get to be doofuses <laughs> right. and still uh, go up the ladder. So <laughs> uh, this kind of like uh, extended adolescence, that's what I'm into for Ava. And um, it's not only as a woman, as a black woman to see someone be incompetent we're never portrayed that way we're always uh get it done the scandal of it all or yeah that that's always been our our role like a uh, perpetual adult get it done on it to all together right. you know i'm together no emotions you know so this has been great to play this like revolutionary role she also has some really great outfits that you look fantastic in <laughs> oh, thank you <laughs> Yes. And the quotes, as a short person myself, I will be using short people freeze the fastest a lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm told it's true. No, I'm joking. Uh <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, she's a jerk. I mean, her, I, I feel like people are realizing that her and Janine are kind of opposites. Just we're equally annoying, just at opposite ends of the spectrum. Janine is eternal op optimism. Ava is pessimism. And so it, we have a adversarial, but like sisterly relationship. And so I feel like Quinta's character with the whole optimism kind of sees that in me. And that's why she doesn't take it as personally as, as, as I would. <laughs> me, Janelle James, you know, someone talking to her like that. But she's, I think she, especially as the seasons go on, is realizing that it's kind, that Ava does care about her in, in her own way, you know? I mean, we know that your performance, your line reads all are incredible, but have you thought about her physically, the posture, what you do with your hands? I mean, how how is that part of the role? Well, I like to call it like uh, debutante mannerisms. Like she <laughs> wears heels. Like there's been, I wear heels, you know, uh, on every, on every episode uh, for the whole day when I'm on set and I don't really wear heels in my real life at all and you know I couldn't do that yeah we had our winter uh episode just recently we were in we are in the club and Quinta had to wear heels for that shoot and I basically danced for nine hours straight in these heels and, and she had to wear heels for that day oh she was like God. I don't know how you do this and she was like do you want us to get you some comfortable shoes so we could do like a flat and I was like Ava doesn't wear flats you know it doesn't matter if you see her feet or not heels give you a certain stance it gives you a it gives me height. I like to be intimidating. It goes with her mannerisms, which is like beauty queen. She fancies herself, you know, a a, a beauty queen and a a, a leisure, uh, a lady, basically. <laughs> and me, myself, because I've been in comedy for, for 10 years and been around men for so long, that's something I hadn't tapped into in, 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 in years. So it's been fun to embody that type of person. <laughs> I understand that you were one of nine kids in your family. Was comedy something you used already from the beginning just to be heard? <laughs> um, I wouldn't think so. Like I, so I, I started comedy, uh, later than most people. I think Chappelle like started when he was like 16 or something. And you talk to other men and they're, you know, they're like, oh, we were in the clubs when we were 18. So I didn't start 
until I was well, you know, into my twenties. And so I, I had already had a, a child and, and relationships and jobs and a whole other career. So good, uh, more material. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, it's worked out for me because I actually had things to say, you know, people start early and then they only have fart jokes, which I love fart jokes, but that can't be a whole act. Uh, <laughs> So it takes them till they're adults anyway to get good. And I felt like I got to skip over that a little bit. But as far as like, it just wasn't, it's not something I grew up like, I'm going to be a comedian or I wasn't like, oh, I'm funny. Like it's never really, it never crossed my mind until I actually started doing it. Now I, I have had people say like, I mean, I of course noticed like, oh, I talk to people and they laugh and you're crazy. That's what a lot of people say to me. <laughs> you're crazy but I never knew how to like turn that into a career or thought that I was funnier than anyone else I feel like all black women are funny but it is definitely a skill to turn that into a stage act so that's where I mean I've always been like a smart ass but I don't remember <laughs> trying to actively be funny what was the career you were thinking of going into before it became? Oh, I was, I went to fashion school. I went, I wanted to be a, a fashion designer because uh, Project Runway was all the, was all the rage. And I didn't right. really know what I wanted to do when I got out of high school, but I was like, I like clothes. And <laughs> so I just, I, I went into that and then I worked in uh, fashion design for a while. I went fashion PR. I did styling. I did like all the, I touched all the parts of uh, fashion before I decided I was over it. And then uh, since then, you know, I've, I've worked almost every job. Uh, I, I lived in New York. So that's like uh, hustle culture. I think that's, you know, why I identify with Ava in that way. I've waitressed, hosted, executive right. assistant, receptionist, deliveries, humidor, nighttime jobs, early morning, like I've done everything. So I totally get her hustle culture and having your having uh, three or four side jobs going at the same time to survive. You've toured with Chris Rock, with Amy Schumer, but you began your stand-up career, I understand, on an open mic night in Illinois. Do you remember what your material was that night? I haven't figured out a, 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 a nice Hollywood way to make this a, a I got discovered story, but it really <laughs> was that a guy uh, handed me a flyer in the supermarket and at that time, my dad was like uh, seriously ill. So it was like a, a rough time for me. And I feel like if you ask a lot of uh, successful comedians about their start, it all, a lot of it comes from sadness. So a lot of my first material was just all about my dad, um, about him himself, because he was a character and, and, and also the fact that he was dying. I was basically doing what you're not supposed to do in stand-up, which is therapy on stage. <laughs> But the challenge comes from making that funny. So, and, you know, this that's material that I would still do because what happens is you do material like that and then you find out like, oh, my dad isn't the only dad that's sick. I'm not the only one with a parent that's uh, passed away. And, and people are just like really appreciative. And I remember my first laugh that I got. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is what I do now. Like <laughs> right away. Yeah, it hit me so wonderfully. And I still get that feeling when I make people laugh when I do stand up. Like I just, I just really love making people laugh. Like I feel like it's my gift. It's a superpower. And um, yeah, I love it. You have such a range um from politics to family to everything that has 
Do you feel that comedy has changed through the years that you have um, been active? I mean, there's all this talk about, you know, you can't be, you have to be politically correct or this and, you know, discussions within the comedy community. How do you feel about that? Um, I don't feel like you have to be anything. Everybody, the, the good thing about being a c- comedian and what I also was drawn to a, a, a stand up wise is you're in charge of yourself. You don't have a, you don't have a job. So if you want to be controversial, you're free, free to do that. I don't necessarily agree with the whole cancel culture thing because a lot of people that are so-called canceled, the only way I know that is because I'm watching a show where they're telling me, I don't know what kind of cancel that is. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were canceled until I saw this huge network backed special that you're telling me on. So it seems to be another marketing angle. I will say the way that comedy has changed is with the um, advent of the internet and stuff, it's more of a widely known art form than it used to be comedy is is I mean was and still is a very niche entertainment people will go their whole life without ever been being at a live stand-up show so I always um say that we're like one step above mimes you know (laughs) (laughs) like just this old form of entertaining it's you and a microphone and you have to entertain people for an hour it's changed in that more people are aware of everyone and that's good for the business and 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 for us financial wise, but then it also brings in people who might not know how comedy works or are used to having their entertainment geared just towards them. And with the internet, you know, everyone has an opinion. If they feel like if they don't like you, then no one should, you know, so before you didn't have to hear everyone's feedback on your act. So that, that, that kind of sucks, but yeah, everybody makes a choice about what type of uh, act they want to do and Godspeed. <laughs> Are you good at that? That's I can imagine getting that type of really rough and difficult feedback. Are you are you good at that? Am I good at getting feedback? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um comedians are the most sensitive people on earth. That's why that's what makes us good. We we feel and observe everything and then we regurgitate that and hopefully uh hilarious jokes. So my goal it's always to make people laugh. So when people are angry about what I said, it hurts my feelings because I'm coming from a pure place and mm-hmm. some, and then other people's act are, are, are to rile up. That's, that's their thing. And so I don't read the comments. Yeah. That's what, that's what, that's what you do. <laughs> you don't read the comments. And when I do 90% of them are, are great. And then, but what happens just like in a live show, if there's one person not laughing, that's the, who you focus on. So if you have a hundred great comments and then one hundred and one is bad, you're like, well, what did I do to this person? You know, and so what I've realized is, yeah, the more popular you get, which is, I guess, what we all want, you're going to have people who have different experiences and different opinions on what comedy should be or what is funny and and what it should be allowed to be funny and all of those things. And you just kind of have to ignore it and and keep going. And I think that's okay if, if, again, your goal is to bring joy and make people laugh and think. What about in terms of being a woman in stand-up? I mean, have things gotten better? I, I remember last year, an incredibly powerful document when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
documentary with a bunch of female comedians talking about what it's been like um, mm. for women in stand up. How has that been for you? So I started in the Midwest and it was all men when around when I started. So I was hanging with like a ragtag group of white boys. The first time I've ever hung out with white boys in my life. And <laughs> truly, I mean, I'm still cool with all of them now. And so I don't know. I've always just tried to present myself as, hey, I'm not a woman. I'm a comedian type thing. Like, of course I am. You're looking at me, but I'm not. That's not what you should be focused on. I'm just going to be more funny than all these guys around me. Starting where I was and with who I started with gave me like a really hard shell for <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, those type of the types of things that some female comedians might encounter. Of course, if you, again, me starting as a already grown woman worked out for me because I already know how to deal with men and their shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I was 19, I might have had a different run. You right. may be easier to manipulate or lied to or, or abused and people get assaulted and all kinds of things. And I've, I've of course had things said to me that are out of pocket and been in dangerous situations, but I guess I like comedy so much that I, that I kept going. And my goal has always just to be funnier than everybody. Don't worry about what I am, worry about how funny I am. So that's how I've always just tried to present myself to be undeniable. So and you are undeniable. And oh, so is Ava getting back to her. Yeah. <laughs> Quinton, the writers, um, the fact that you on the show are able to discuss really important and, and timely issues about mm-hmm. like underfunded public schools and, and mm-hmm. combined with this comedy. I know that a lot of the experiences on the show are the writer's own experiences and, and real research. What's something that surprised you that you've learned about schools today when doing this role? Nothing has surprised me because I have kids and I know what's going on. And I feel like if anyone, kids are not paid attention, you know, it's just been that we're, we're kind of to not to put it a bad way, ignoring it. It's kind of by design. Everybody's just trying to survive working, you know, their 50 jobs or whatever that it takes to, to live in America right now. And so you, you hear the news, Oh, kids don't have supplies. Kids are being left behind. Teachers are overwhelmed. And it's just, anyway, to answer the question, I wasn't, yeah, I'm not surprised by anything. What I am impressed by is how seamlessly Quinta and the writers put those things into the story. We, we're not doing after school specials. We're not doing a very special episode. It's a day in the, it's very day in the life. It's very real. And it still manages to be super funny at the same time. And that's how I do stand up. So that really appeals to me as well. Like I'm not up there to tell you how to think in a TED talk, I'm trying to make you laugh. And then underneath it, you're going to get some issues. And hopefully that gives you something to think about as well. So yeah, I don't know who, who is surprised watching this show about what kids go through is hope it's, do you care? That's the question (laughs) that everybody uh, needs to ask themselves. Do you care? And what are we going to do about it? And what about working with greats like Lisanne Walter and Cheryl Lee Ralph and, 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 Chris Perfetting things. I mean, what do you guys improv? How do you work together? The scripts are so funny when they get to us mm-hmm. that it, there's really no need to improv. And, you know, people's jokes are really precious to them. So I really, sometimes I'll get things and even if I'm like, uh, 
I don't know about this. I'm really just trying to deliver it in the funniest way possible. I'm trying to give that writer their 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 due and not like, hey, I have a better idea, you know, that kind of thing. And so usually as far as improv and on set, I don't put in my own words until I'm asked like, hey, do you have another? And that's usually after we've done it multiple times, how it's written. Sometimes the director would be like, hey, you, you want to do a, an alternate take? And then I'll put it in. Or mm-hmm. if I do change something up or whatever I don't even remember I'm not on set like hey that was mine you know what I mean so (laughs) you know (laughs) so my goal is to just make whatever I get on the page as funny as possible Quinta's always good or the directors and especially as we go on and and they trust us more with letting us say what's written in the way we would say it so it might be a little different or I'll add a little tag but I truly don't remember because the, the scripts are so funny, what I said and what was written. And it, after I read the script, I don't even remember, you know? <laughs> right, right. No, the writers are, are killing it. Who's the biggest jokester among these great actors on the set? Oh, that's me. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, surprisingly a jovial person. Like, I just, I like messing with people on the set. I like cracking on people. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see everyone in the crew. We have a really nice environment and yeah I just love everybody and I'm just always just I'm always I'm a clown I'm just always trying to make people laugh I really am so um yeah that would be me (laughs) and what's your favorite Ava line Ooh, god there's so many what's my favorite Ava line I mean it used to be let me back my tasty ass up um that's a true improv and that was asked of me after we we shot it how it was written the director was like do you have anything and I and I said that and Quinta was laying on the ground because she had fainted in that scene and she sat up (laughs) and she said, what did you say? And I said, "Um, let my, uh, let me back my tasty ass up. I was like shook because that was the first thing time I've said anything off script. And this is also like my first real acting job. So I was just like, oh God, I'm in trouble. And and she said, that's funny. And then she lied back down. She laid back down. (laughs) And so I did it again. And then that, and I, and then I was like, well, that was so dirty. They're not going to, this is an ABC show. They're not going to put that in. And then to my surprise that it was in there. So that's a great line. I love, I mean, a lot of Ava's stuff and what I'm trying to do is not only what the words being said, but how she's saying it. Like Mm -hmm, there's a scene where it's the first thing I say is the first thing in the episode. I walk in and I say, uh, what it do Abbott teacher crew. And then I say, uh, damn, last time I was up this early was to cuss out the mailman. I don't need all those bills coming. It's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And just out of nowhere, it's the first thing I say that it just cracks me up. The Mm -hmm. image of her going out to yell at the mailman because he brings too many bills. Like, it's just hilarious to me. And it's her off the cuff. That, yeah. But I just love her attitude and hopefully what I'm bringing inflection and physically to everything that she says. I'm really trying to make everything she says, no matter how mundane, as funny as possible. You're nominated for, I don't know how many things, Golden Globes and Critics' Choice, deservedly so. Uh, Do you have your clothes ready? Do you know who you're taking? Well, Christina, (laughs) again, I'm so new to all of this. I truly hadn't uh, if you had told me com- comedian of the year award, I'd have been like that, that 1989, Richard Pryor. I, I had, I was not on this side of the business at all. So it has been a whirlwind um, to get nominated for an Emmy. My first time out is, was wild. And I, I truly 
I mean, I remember the experience, but it was like I was underwater the whole time. Like people were talking to me and I was just hearing like that Charlie <laughs> right. noise, you know, like, and so now we have uh, the Golden Globes coming up uh, next week, which how dare they right after the holidays, I've eaten everything like oh God. <laughs> obviously scheduled by a man. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, I do have my, my dress for that, but it's, it's, it's exciting, but it's just, it's not a world that I ever thought I would be in. So it's still kind of just uh, get used to it. Oh gosh. That's <laughs> uh, You're going to be doing a lot of these in the future. No, thank you. I'm just talking about, oh, I'm talking about award shows themselves. It's just, it's a lot more work than people see, but I guess that's the whole Hollywood thing. You just never know what it takes to get in a dress like that. And on a, and onto a red carpet, it's a whole army of people. Yeah, up at the crack of dawn. I'm not complaining, but it's definitely a new experience. <laughs> Finally, what's next for Ava and what's next for Janelle? Well, you see, she has a, a boyfriend there. I will say that she I will does. say that was my pitch. Yeah, yeah, that that development of Ava having a, a boyfriend because I didn't want her, I didn't know how they would I knew it Quinta liked the idea. I I I I approached her one day and I was like, I have an idea for Ava. What if she's had a boyfriend this whole time? And the reason I wanted that is I just think it goes in her character in that, first of all, she, like you said, she's hot. Why would she, one, be single, <laughs> two, be so thirsty uh, for Gregory, who is an underpaid teacher. He, he's first year teacher, so I don't even know how much they get paid. It just didn't seem true to me that that would be her ultimate goal. And it goes more into her kind of like domineering clown character in that whether regardless of whether she thinks he's attractive or not she's not thirsty about it she's she's hitting on him for her own pleasure not because she really wants him she likes to make him uncomfortable she just wants to crack the joke she wants to be intimidating to him so that's the 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 thought that I had when I pitched that and then Quinta got me an NBA player <laughs> so that was amazing and so Hopefully for her, you'll see, I mean, I hope she doesn't change. I see people ask for it, but then I feel like if I, then if I do, then they'll still be upset. So, you know, I think for we're seeing um, glimmers of how wise she is, regardless of her inexperience or right. not being qualified for the position she is, that we're seeing that she brings her own good to the school, mm -hmm. uh, that she has a rapport with the kids that the teachers may not have. And then she knows some shit. She probably she does. Through, her street smart yeah, work. Gain through life and living. And and again, with my own backstory for her having gone through that same school system. So mm -hmm. I like that that we're, they're giving um, different flavors to her. But she's still an asshole, so that's good. I hope she stays <laughs> that way. And that would be true. Most assholes don't change. <laughs> so that right. would be true to life. It would be weird if all of a sudden she's Barbara. <laughs> you know what true. I mean? That that would that would be awful. And then for Janelle, I'm, um, we're going to wrap soon. We're actually still taping, which a lot of people don't know. We're still in, as shows are, as the shows are shown, wow. we're still taping. And then when we wrap, I'm back on the road doing stand-up. Stand-up comedians, we're nuts. We never, we never stop. And <laughs> it doesn't matter what else is happening. We're fitting in the show. So I'm going to go back on the road. And, and, and it's been, I've done a couple I hadn't done stand-up in, in like six months and it, and then I went out, I did a couple of shows and it was really exciting because I've never done uh stand-up as a famous person. So that's a whole oh, new. Right. Yeah. How was that? Though? It's great in that 
I sell out shows now. And I do want to say, as far as like being a female comedian, that's where it gets hard because no matter how good and funny and well-respected I am, it's very hard for women to sell out shows. And that's been like, people are less likely to seek out an unknown female comedian than they would taking a chance on an unknown male comedian, no matter how unfunny a lot of these dudes are. They would more <laughs> more likely to say, hey, let me check that out. And so that's always been a downside for it. So now, you know, people have seen me on TV, cult of personality, they're more willing to come out. And then I'm hopefully impressing, letting them know that, hey, I'm also funny over here. And uh, so that's been great. And then I get to get that feedback of how much people like or dislike uh, the character and, <laughs> and my work. I get to get those comments in person. So that's <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm getting some scripts and stuff here and there, but we're doing long seasons at Abbott. So I don't know exactly how much I'll have time to do as far as like another project. And I know people are casting me and all kinds of things on the internet and I love to see it. And I hope <laughs> people who make decisions are seeing it, but Disney you know, I work for Disney. They love me. So they, they're not going to let me go. Oh, good. <laughs> just, well, just they yet. shouldn't. Yeah. Just yet. So yeah, yeah just more, more comedy, more, more laughs. I can't wait to see everything. Um, all the stuff that you have coming and to continue to see you and Abbott. You're so great. Thank you so much for taking your time oh, and you good luck time. with all these awards coming up. I'll be following along in my pajamas, not as glamorous as you. <laughs> I'll be there not eating. <laughs> okay. Oh, God, please eat. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Janelle James, Principal Ava Coleman on ABC's Abbott Elementary, and good luck at the Golden Globes this week. And thank you so much for listening. This is Pop Culture Confidential, a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.